Thank you, Ruth. That was beautiful. This morning, if you'll turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I've had the privilege to be preaching to you about spiritual disciplines. You'll see on the banner here the five spiritual disciplines that I preached already. So I heard a story about a preacher. He was talking to the people in his church. He told them about a trip he had recently taken from Chicago to California. He said, I was on the plane when it ran into some uh, very severe turbulence. The plane began to shake terribly and the passengers were getting alarmed. Even the flight attendants were looking concerned. Finally, one of the passengers who sat behind him and who knew he was a preacher leaned over the seat and said, this is really frightening. Do you suppose you could do, a, could you do something, you know, religious? So the preacher paused and he said, looked at his people. He said, so I stood up and took a collection. <laughs> Amen. Probably the best collection he had ever gotten. You know, money in the church, it's kind of a religious thing. In fact, it's a biblical thing. My grandsons love the movie uh, Toy Story. Ryan, my oldest, loves Woody, and Kyle loves Buzz. And we've got a third one coming, and I don't know if there's any other major characters in, 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 the, in the thing. So uh, this morning, my Dutch is almost as good as my English. And so, you know, Buzz has this line that he says... And originally, the movie was done in, in, in Dutch. And so here, here it is in Dutch. He says, Opnar de sternum de dar vorbage. That's pretty good, isn't it? I knew you ought to be impressed. Y'all are stunned, speechless. That means in Dutch, to the stars and beyond. And when they translated it to English, you know the now familiar to infinity and what? Beyond. And so I spared no expense for you today. I want you to see this. Woody is telling me he's a toy and he can't fly. To infinity and beyond. Well, the title of my message today is To Tithe and Beyond. Pretty creative, right? I just amaze you. I know it's true. To Tithe and Beyond. Now, notice the theme as I read it to you. Money is one of the primary comp competitors that steps into the ring of our hearts. It's constantly asking, who will you love? Who will you serve? Who will you allow to be the master of your thoughts, attitudes, and actions? Jesus has this to say in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, what does it say, beloved, money. Why would a person ever want to serve money? Is it really that good of a master? Well, money makes some pretty bold promises. It tells us that it can make us happy. It tells us that it can make us popular. It tells us that it can bring us pleasure and security. And it does deliver, but it only delivers for a while. And it can deliver for a while, but the biggest problem with money is that it's just for a while. And when you die, you can't take your money with you, can you? No, you can't. You see, money cannot promise anything beyond this life. Now, that's an interesting thought. Beloved, the Bible teaches us that God expects us to deal with money in a way that is pleasing in His sight. Imagine that. And so this morning, I want to share with you some wonderful lessons of what God says how we should be handling our finances. Look at point number one. Point number one, there are different kinds of givers. There are different kinds of givers. Now look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, what? Giver. Now let's go back and look at some phrases that you should highlight in your Bible. First, you should highlight that phrase, so sparingly. The point is this, he says, whoever sows sparingly, well, what? What does it say? Reap sparingly. And then the second thing you should highlight is this sows bountifully. So whoever sows bountifully will also reap what? Bountifully. And then in verse 7, you should highlight this phrase, as he has decided in his heart. You see, this is an important way you give as you decide in your heart. And lastly, in verse 7, you should highlight God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Beloved, in the first two verses of our text this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us that there are those who are going to sow sparingly and there are going to be those who sow bountifully. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that uh, first group that sows sparingly. And there's a good biblical reason for that. In our text it says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap a bountiful return. And then the last part of verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves what? What does he love? A cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. 
They determine in their heart what they will give. They do not have second thoughts. They're not forced into giving. While wandering in the desert, God gave Moses some wonderful instructions about giving. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 27. Now hold your place here because we're coming back. But turn with me to Leviticus chapter 27. And we're going to look at verse 30 and 32. In this, Moses shares that God wants our offerings to bring glory to him. And he is going to allow the Levite priests the capability of serving the Lord off of these gifts that the other tribes would give. Look with me in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now drop down to verse 32. The entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the who? Lord. You see, the Hebrews understood that a tithe of everything was dedicated to God. They were blessed with crops and herbs, herds, the ability to work, and they were to give their best 10% of everything that belonged to God. Beloved, if you study your Bible, you will see that when the Israelites obeyed God, then God blessed them. Now turn with me to, to the book of Malachi. It's the last Old Testament book before Matthew. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 10. In Malachi 3 and verse 10, the scripture says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and there put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, if you have your own Bible, you ought to highlight that phrase, put me to the test. You see, God says, you're afraid to give me your money. You're afraid to do what I want. Put me to the test and see if I don't bless you. Now turn with me back into the book of Numbers. We're going back and forth to the Old Testament. Turn to Numbers chapter 18. In Numbers 18, you recall in the Old Testament that there were how many tribes of Israel? Twelve. Twelve tribes of Israel. But one tribe does not get an inheritance does not get any land. That tribe is the tribe of Levi. Uh, excuse me. That is the tribe of Aaron and is the tribe of Levi. And they are to be priests. Now here, look at with me in, in Numbers chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 20, 21, and drop down to verse 23. And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in the land. You see, everybody else got property. 
But he says to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in the land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. Verse 21. To the Levites, I have given every, what does it say? Tithe. To the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. Now drop down to verse 23. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity, and it shall be a perpetual Statue. You ought to highlight that. It is to be what? A perpetual statue. Do you know what a perpetual statue is? It's one that's perpetual. It doesn't end. Amen? And so God is telling Moses that Aaron and the tribe of Levi will live off the tithe, 10% of the other 11 tribes, and it is a perpetual command. It's a perpetual command. Notice it says, throughout your generations and among the people of Israel, and they shall have no inheritance. When we tithe today, we are honoring a principle found here in the Old Testament. And some of God's people are called not to be money-making, not to be money-making in business or like a commercial business in the ordinary ways. They're called to be pastors they're called to be ministers. They're called to be missionaries. They're called to be ministry assistants and so on. And they live off that tithe of the other 11 tribes. Some Christians will say, well, this is not written to Christians. It's written to the Israelites. Beloved, are we not grafted in to Israel? Are we not considered the same as Israel? And I'm going to show you in a few minutes that Jesus says, and Paul says in the New Testament, that we should still be obeying this rule that God sets forth. You see, the word of God is written to all of us, and what are you going to do with that phrase that says it's a perpetual statue? If it was not meant to be for us, it would have been a statue that had a time limit. So what are you going to do with these verses? Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Now, we, we are going back to 2 Corinthians if you're getting nervous. All right, Ma Matthew chapter 23. Turn with me. And I want to show you what Jesus says. We're all familiar with this verse. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, your mint and dill and your cumin, and have neglected the weighter matters of the law, such as justice and mercy and faithfulness. Notice what he says. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So I took you back in the Old Testament, and I shared with you that the people of Israel were to tithe on everything, everything. 10% belonged to God. And here we see that the Pharisees are tithing, and he tells them, yeah, you should do that, but you should also, you should also have not neglected the matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're moving our way back to 2 Corinthians. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 13 and 14. You might want to read this because the Apostle Paul, he begins this section by saying, look, even though we deserve to be taken care of by the church, we didn't take any money from you. And yet we had that right. Now look what he says in verse 13. He says, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? Look at verse 14. In the same way, you ought to highlight that. When he says in the same way, he's saying just like what I just said. He says, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the, what's it say? Gospel. The second lesson I want you to see is this. Giving is not a matter of wealth. Point number two on your outline, giving is not a matter of wealth. Now look back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things and in all times, you may abound in every good work. Look at verse 9. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. He supplies seed to the sower. And bread for food will supply. And multiply your seed for sowing. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Point number two is giving is not a matter of wealth. I have a lot of Christians say, well, you know, if I was a millionaire, I would tithe. No, you won't. If you don't tithe now, you're not going to tithe when you're a millionaire. Beloved, let me tell you, I learned to tithe as a little boy going to church with my mom and dad. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to tithe on a quarter than it is a million dollars. All right? You need to understand that it's not a matter of wealth. Whatever you have, you give it to God because he has asked you to give it to him. He is saying, this is how I want you to live. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you, is what he's saying. When Jesus watched people put their offering in the temple treasure, he saw many rich people putting in large amounts of money and a poor widow put in two small coins. Turn with me. To Mark chapter 12. Now hold your place in 2 Corinthians. We're coming back. But look with me at Mark chapter 12. In verse 41. We're all familiar with this story. We love this story. In Mark 12 verse 41. It says, And he, that's Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury... And watch the people putting money into the offering box. Now let me explain to you what's happening. In the Old Testament it said they were supposed to bring their tithe to the temple. And that was from everything. You saw Jesus said they were tithing on their spices. So they had to have places to collect it. 
And so they had a treasury room. And you could bring your corn, your butter beans, your tomatoes. You could bring your cows and your sheep. You could bring whatever you have. You could bring your cash. You could bring your coins. And this is what's happening on that day. He's sitting there watching people. And people say, well, you know, God doesn't need my money. Beloved, it's not about what God needs. It's about what he says. Notice that Jesus, God's son, sits there to watch this. That means it must be important. Let's continue reading. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. Now, beloved, let me tell you, when I was in preacher boy school, they described to us, they had these, these brass or, or metal-like collecting things for coins. In those days, they didn't have paper currency. They would use gold, silver, brass, you know, coins. And so the coins would go in, and the way they, they designed it, it was almost like a, a money box that we give to a child. You want to put the money in. You want to make it easy for the money to go in, but you want to make it hard for them to get their money out. In other words, so you drop your, your coin in, and it starts going around, and you can't get your arm in to get it back. Oh, I didn't mean to give that. You know, and you're trying to get it back before it goes down. And so when they put their coins in, it would make all this clankling noise. And so the rich people, they figured this out. So they got, they got the, the, the largest coins they could get, even though they're cheaper. And they'd come and they'd dump it in. So everyone in the temple could hear the noise of the coins going around and around. And they go, whoa, somebody's over there giving something to God. It was all a show. It's all a show. And remember, God is saying, look, your money's not about a show. It's about how I want you to live. And so Jesus is there, and look at verse 43. This woman put her two pennies in, and there was probably not a sound at all. And look at verse 43. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had all she had to live on. Imagine that. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 6. I love this. This is an, uh, another promise of Jesus. In Luke 6, once again, he talks about money. Here's the words of Jesus. Look at verse 38. Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is what Jesus said. Packed down, overflowing. This is the type of, of life he wants us to give. Now, this is not a guarantee. You can't say, well, I'm going to do this so I'll get richer. That's not how you do it. You do this to please the Lord and to be responsible with your money. All right? It's not a guarantee of getting rich. It's a guarantee of pleasing God. Years ago, it was a custom here in America for people to bring their gifts to the front of the church. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love that? We don't do that here, amen? All right? We haven't even sent the plates back through just to make sure we got everything, all right? But years ago, they would bring their gifts to the front of the church, and a well-known preacher was making an appeal to 
to give for a good cause, and many came and presented their offerings. And among those who were lined up in the aisles was a little crippled girl who hobbled up to the front, and she pulled a ring from her finger and placed it on the table. And the preacher noted that, and he was touched by her offering. So he sent an usher to bring the little girl to his study, and the preacher said, My dear, I saw what you did. It was beautiful. But the response of the people was so generous that we really have enough to take care of the need. We do not feel it's right that we should keep your beautiful ring. We have decided to give your ring back to you. The little girl began to frown. Tears began to well up in her eyes. And she looked at that preacher and said, You don't understand. I did not give my ring to you. I gave it to God. Now that's a sermon in itself. The third lesson I want you to see. Look at your outline point number three. Godly giving meets the needs of the saints and, the over, and overflows into the lives of others. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 again. Go back to our text. And look at verse 12. It says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You ought to highlight the needs of the saints and this overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You see, when we give, it meets the needs of the saints, but it meets the needs of some people you may not even know. That God is blessing. Look at verse 13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. You ought to highlight that. It's for them and it's for all others. Look down in verse 15. He ends this whole section with this one beautiful verse. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. If you have your own Bible, you ought to highlight that word. Do you know that that word inexpressible is only used this place in the Bible and nowhere else? It's translated also indescribable. It is found only here in the New Testament. It has the idea of wonderful beyond description. And it's saying, you see what God gave us? You can't describe it. It's so wonderful. Then how, how can you complain about what you give to the Lord? He gave us this indescribable gift. And if God would do that for me, if he would do it for you, then how can we be so cheap with God? This week as I was preparing, I came across a true story. I like to read about other pastors. Many of you know John Wesley, the great Methodist pastor. John Wesley was one of the greatest evangelists of the 18th century. He was born in 1703. In 1731... He began to limit his expenses 
so that he would have money to give to the poor. You see, they didn't have Social Security. They didn't have all the things we have today. And so the churches would take care of the poor. God's people would take care of the poor. And so he, he began to limit his expenses. And the first year, his income was 30 pounds. And he found that he could live on 28 pounds. So he gave away 2 pounds to the poor. And the second year, his, inco his income doubled. But he held his expenses even. So he had 32 pounds to give away. And in those days, 32 pounds was a comfortable year's income. Imagine that. In the third year, his income jumped to 90 pounds, and he gave away 62 pounds. Can, can you imagine that? As I read this, I think, man, they must love this preacher because his, uh, his, his pay is going up. In his long life, Wesley's income increased his highest. Listen to this. 1,400 pounds in a year. And remember I told you that 32 pounds was a good living. 1,400 pounds in a year, but he, he rarely let his expenses rise above 30 pounds. He said that he seldom had more than 100 pounds in his possession at a time. And this so baffled the English tax commission, that's like their IRS, that they audited him. That's right. In 1776, the English Tax Commission audited him because they couldn't understand why he was not paying taxes. They knew he was a rich man. They insisted that a man of his income must have silver dishes that he was not paying excise tax on. He wrote them, I have two silver spoons at London and two silver spoons at Bristol, this is all the plate I have at present, and I shall not buy any more while so many around me are hungry. When he died in 1791 at the age of 87, the only money mentioned in his will was the coins to be found in his pockets and his dresser. Most of his 30,000 pounds he had earned in his life had been given away. This is what he wrote. I cannot help leaving my books behind me whenever God calls me home, but in every other respect, my hands will be my executors. Now you know when you die, you have executors to do your will. He's saying, my hands will be my executors. Beloved, that makes me think of to tithe, and beyond because that's what it's about do you really believe what God says are you going to conform your life to be pleasing with God are you going to use money in a godly way instead of let money use you the way it wants to to tithe and beyond let's pray Dear Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach to your people today. What a joy it is to open the Word of God. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today who's at church, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Friend, if you're here today and you came searching, 
as I talked about how God made these plans, you thought to yourself, now, I like this God. I want to know more about him. Let me just talk to you for a moment. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Every one of us. But that's not the end of it. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And the Bible tells us in John 3.16, Jesus talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus who wanted to know how to get into the kingdom of God, how to be born again. Jesus said to him in John 3.16, he said, Nicodemus, whoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's that unspeakable gift that we see at the end of our text today. If you're here today and God is speaking to you about having a relationship with him, why don't you just have a little prayer right now and just talk with him. Just say, God, I, I feel you moving in my heart today. I want to confess my sin to you. Please forgive me for all the things that I've done wrong. And the best I know how today, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. And then say something to him like this. Just simply say, God, please make me your child. Friend, if you pray a prayer like that, the Bible says immediately you become a child of God. Will you make that decision today? Christian, let me just talk to you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. God says, this is how I want you to treat money. I pray that you would listen. That you would take these words to heart. And that you would begin to give in a way that's honoring to God. Lord, I pray if there's some Christians speaking to you today because they have not been living this way that you would bless them encourage them, forgive them and help them as they begin to start giving in a way that is pleasing for you Lord bless us all, be with us I ask in Jesus name, Amen